All financial advice provided on this show is for entertainment and educational purposes only. The financial ideas and strategies discussed are only provided as a starting point for a conversation about money matters. With regard to your particular investments and financial strategies, consult your financial planner, CPA, or investment professional. All your financial decisions are yours and yours alone to make and subsequently are solely your responsibility. The information that is supplied through the context of the radio program and any repurposing of its content by the host or network is a combination and collection of solid financial investment understanding, opinion, and comments. This network, show, and its host are not liable for financial strategies, outcomes that you employ in any manner that result in any kind of loss. Shares of corporate sponsors may be the subject of buy or sell recommendations in Jay Taylor's newsletter in accordance with Jay's objective opinion. Welcome to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. This hour will help investors fix issues and achieve personal gain. Now, here's your host, Jay Taylor. Welcome to Turning Hard Times into Good Times. I'm your host, Jay Taylor, and I'm speaking to you from New York City, uh, where we are all quarantined in our houses here, and uh, it's the 24th of March, 2020. New York City is supposedly the epicenter of the coronavirus epidemic here in the United States anyway, uh, but Mrs. Taylor and I are safe and sound seemingly and uh, taking all the precautions necessary to try to avoid this dreaded disease and it is not to be laughed at. I believe that is very true. So I hope that uh, many of you will take advantage of the interview I did with Chen Lin uh, yesterday. It can be uh, it, it can be listened to at uh, J. Taylor Media or on the J. Taylor Media YouTube page. Um, it is a very good interview. Chen is providing some ideas about how you can profit from, uh, not from the disaster, but the, what opportunities are out there in, in the gold mining sector and in the biotech sector, which he, te- which he follows very closely and has made, has done very well for himself and his, and his subscribers. So tune into what Chen Lin uh, had to say. Very interesting interview uh, at J. Taylor Media or J. Taylor Media YouTube page. Uh, we do want to thank our sponsors for making the show economically viable. Our sponsors for today are in resources, Ely Gold, uh, Great Bear Resources, Hannon Metals, Irving Resources, Lion One Metals, Novo Resources, and Sitka Gold. We'd also uh, like to encourage you to send along your questions, comments, whatever they may be, to questionsfortaylor at gmail.com. Also like you to consider subscribing to my newsletter, miningstocks.com, I think, there is perhaps no better time to do that than right now. If indeed today's volatile market, uh, hundred more than a hundred dollar jump in the gold price in Europe this morning, and now up around eighty bucks as I speak to you on Tuesday, the twenty fourth of March, I believe that we may be on to the next major run in the gold market, and the junior gold shares are still very uh, are priced very low uh, as a result of the recent uh, smackdown of gold and other. Uh, decline in prices uh, because of volatility or because of the uh, liquidity squeeze that uh, is uh, ripping through our economy right now. We'll be talking more uh, about that with Alistair McLeod and and perhaps John Rubino, who will be with me in just a moment. I've titled today's show, Will Financial Cancer Plus the Coronavirus End Fiat Currencies? And as I mentioned, John Rubino is with me, uh, Alistair McLeod, in the second half of the uh, our and Ivan Bebek of RN Resources will be my guest during the second segment today. Elites are scrambling frantically to find and to keep their fraudulent pickpocket 
fiat monetary scheme alive as COVID-19 craters markets and the global economy. Last week, Charles Hugh Smith suggested that because this event, unlike the financial crisis of 2008, is hitting the real economy very, very hard, if the establishment wants to avoid a revolution, it is going to have to send trillions of dollars directly to the people rather than to the bankers. But now it looks like that may not be going to happen as Democrats are trying to use this crisis to sneak through radical leftist policies like the New Green Deal and other things that they are fond and dear to their hearts. And the Federal Reserve, which is owned by the banks, has already promised to pump in infinite numbers of trillions of dollars into the banking system. Well, it seems to benefit the bankers and Wall Street more than the common folks, at least if it's like it was in 2008. So Charles Hugh Smith is saying you do, they need to do it differently this time uh, if they don't want to risk a revolution. The repercussions for the value of the dollar and perhaps the entire fiat currency system has not gone unnoticed, I believe, by the gold markets this morning, as I mentioned, up I think around $135 at one point this morning in European trading. Um, all of this was uh, predicted, of course, by Alistair McLeod and, and others, including John Rubino, who you'll hear from uh, in just a moment. Uh, certainly, a lot of our guests have been suggesting it's not a matter of, of whether it's going to happen, but when is it going to happen. So today, we want to focus on Alistair's most recent essay titled Payments, Panic, and the Ending of Fiat Currencies. And as I mentioned, uh, we will talk to Alistair about that, as well as I'm sure I have some things to say about today's volatile gold markets. And as I mentioned, Ivan Bebek of RN Resources is going to be with me right after their first commercial break. They're doing some very interesting things down in Peru. They have a couple of uh, really world-class, large-scale copper gold targets down there. Uh, They are not in Peru working there right now because there's been a two-week shutdown of the uh, airports and the borders. So uh, right now, uh, RN, like some other companies, are doing what they can uh, remotely or whatever they can do uh, until and hopefully uh, they'll be back to work very soon but we'll be talking to uh, to Ivan about that uh, in the second segment of today's show but right now I'm happy to tell you that John Rubino is with me John Rubino of dollarclaps.com thanks for joining me John hey Jay eventful few weeks we've got here huh oh I would say so and today especially uh, well at least in the gold markets and actually what do you think's going on? Because it's, you know, it was like uh, a few days back, a few trading days back, it was nobody wanted to buy every, anything. They were selling everything under the sun. Uh, and even treasuries, on, uh, even treasuries and gold were, be, were being tanked uh, when people had to scramble for liquidity. Now, what do you think's causing this turnaround? Uh, well, um, it, it, gold and silver clearly tanked because people had to sell whatever they could sell and gold and silver were um, assets that um, were liquid enough that they could get cash out of it. So that's what happened. This was uh, very much like what happened in 2008 when everything collapsed at the same time, including gold and silver. And then it turned out to be kind of a V bottom where things just rocketed from there. So now we're seeing the other side of the V bottom where things start to take off. And as in 2008, the, the catalyst for it is the fact that governments are responding to the crisis with massive amounts of easy money. You know, what what we saw in the space of, um, well, just a couple of days here was, first the Fed came out with the biggest QE program in human history. And 
the Senate and the House are right now working on the biggest fiscal stimulus program in history. So in other words, they're going to just pour as much newly created currency into this market as they have to, to keep this crisis from turning into another Great Depression. Uh, And that implies that we're, we're choosing inflation as our big risk over depression. And that's great for gold and silver. You know, when, when you're uh, choosing to err on the side of inflation, uh, then people are going to want real money. And gold and silver are historically the kinds of real money that capital flows into whenever people start to worry about the value of their other currencies. So this is playing out completely according to script. I mean, the only thing that's different is that the crisis isn't financial this time. It's um, a a natural disaster. You know, we've got a, a global pandemic. But in every other way, this looks very familiar. And because of that, how it progresses ought to also be familiar, um, especially in the sense of precious metals. You know, these things are going to rocket if everything keeps going the way it's going. You know, we're going to see new record prices for gold and possibly silver in the year ahead. And, uh, and you know, the little mining stocks. Jay, your, your list of, um, of mining stocks from your newsletter, they are going to be like the dot-coms of this coming generation. They're just going to go on a tear that most people can't believe. Yeah, I, I think that's right, but we hope a few of them turn out to be uh, the great gold mining companies, just as a few of those dot-com companies turned out to be major companies, too, in the future. So we try to pick the ones we think have the best chance, John, for uh, for doing well and for becoming real companies, not just exploration companies, oh, but real producers. But I yeah. would like to just mention to my listeners now, with just a minute or two uh, left here, that you have just put out an article uh, at uh, Dollar Collapse uh, talking about high-quality gold miners and why that's important. Perhaps you want to comment on that. Well, yeah. The in times like this, you want the best quality to begin with because the the world is very uncertain, mm-hmm. and the uh, the the biggest best quality miners, like for instance Kirkland Lake, as, as an example, but there are a lot of others, uh, have spent the last few years building up reserves that are profitable to mine at previous gold prices, like $1,200 an ounce. So now right. gold is three or $400 higher than that, mm-hmm. uh, which means that they're going to have very wide margins. Oh, and at the same time, oil, which is a big cost for gold miners, is way down. So their costs are down, their um, profit per ounce of gold sold is up. So their, their margins are going to be very wide, and their year-over-year earnings comparisons are going to be really impressive going forward. If they're among the miners that are allowed to keep operating, you know, that's the big key right now is uh, will they be allowed to continue to work in whatever country that they're in? Um, And so the miners who do get to continue mining in the coming year are going to be extremely profitable and probably really good investments. Yeah, well, I I would think so. Uh, Certainly, um, yeah, the ones that are that are producing now, it's going to be an issue. I, I think that most of the companies on my list have put out statements about their policies. And so we can uh, certainly, um, you know, the gold mining industry, like many others, almost every other industry uh, is going to be dependent to a certain to a, to a lesser or greater extent on the uh, on how quickly this uh, coronavirus can be uh, gained. Uh, we can gain control of it. But um 
Yeah, any any. Uh, I know Chen Lin was talking about uh, some of the royalty companies. I think you you like some of the royalty companies as well, right? A safe way that's, to play the more, uh, play the industry. That's a great business model because they they don't have to worry about the the uh, vicissitudes of any one mine because what they do is basically buy um, little bits of the future production of lots of different emerging mines. Um, so they're they're diversified. They uh, they tend to cut deals that are very favorable when prices start to rise. And that's what's happening with a lot of the, uh, the streamers right now. Their, their profits are up and um, their finances are getting stronger and stronger, which allows them to continue to buy new streams from other mines. And so they get bigger and bigger and more profitable and, uh, over time. And, uh, and because of that, they, they've had some great runs already, a lot of them, but uh, there's no really no end in sight. They can continue to do well going forward. Oh, Jay, one, one quick thing, if we've got a second. Yeah, I, sure. I called your category of uh, exploration and juniors uh, in the mining sector, the dot-coms. I, I didn't mean that in a pejorative way. Not that they're going to go bust, that. but that they're going to rocket. That. Yeah, okay, good. <laughs> no, I realize uh, that, but, uh, but it's also true, John, that the vast majority of exploration companies either find something and are absorbed by some other company, a larger one, uh, and many of them don't, frankly, don't make it. I mean, it's a high risk. You don't get the high returns without the high risk, I should mention. So that's why I think, you know, companies like Ely Gold, which I think is one that you liked in the past, uh, they're a sponsor to this show. I looked at that and talked to, uh, talked to the company last week, and I must say I was just really impressed with the, uh, you know, with, with the, growth they have in their pipeline it's just pretty amazing but as you say these companies can grow from their cash flow which means they don't have to go out and issue more shares so you avoid the kind of dilution that you get with a lot of other mining companies that are having to build a mill and a mine and all that stuff very expensive Uh, and you know ongoing capital costs so a streaming company for example just simply keeps keeps getting that to buy that gold at some discounted price and uh, yeah yeah it works really well our royalty companies great model john uh one last thought perhaps oh jay so many in this world um you know we're, we're seeing financial history um evolve here yeah. this is this is going to be a time that historians um are going to be writing about a century from now because this is the uh, the beginning of the end of the fiat currency experiment so um you know, we should all enjoy this from a safe distance because it's going to be fascinating, but be very careful. I think a safe distance is, is a good way of putting it, John. Thank you so much for being with us, and uh, we'll have you back again sometime soon. Well, folks, we do have to go to break now. Don't go away. Ivan Bebek will be with me of RN Resources, and they have some very interesting things going on down in Peru. So we'll be right back with Ivan. Novo Resources Corp. trades on the OTCQX under the symbol under the symbol the symbol NSRPF and on the TSX Venture Exchange under the symbol NVO. Its flagship assets are located in the Pilbara region of Western Australia. Novo has recently partnered with Sumitomo Corporation of Japan to evaluate, advance, and develop the company's Australian gold projects. With over $40 million in cash and $60 million committed from Sumitomo, Novo is well on its way to establishing itself as one of the top junior explorers and developers in Australia. 
Orin Resources is an exploration company defined by its aggressive ambition to find the world's world's largest mines. Orin has raised over $100 million in this effort and believes it is on to three major discoveries at its projects in Canada and Peru. This year, Orin plans to drill Sombrero, where targets have analogous features to the 10th largest copper mine globally. The company also plans to drill its other substantial base and precious metal opportunities that management believes will be complemented by the strongest bull market in commodities over the last 50 years. Visit AURYNResources.com and subscribe to keep up with the busy year ahead. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. If you have a question or comment about today's show, Jay would love to hear from you at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You can also send an email to questionsfortaylor at gmail.com. That's questions, the number four, taylor at gmail.com. Now, back to our program. Welcome back to Turning Hard Times and Good Times. I'm your host, Jay Taylor, and I'm really pleased to have with me once again Ivan Bebek. He is the executive chairman and director of RN Resources, and he has had a, a very successful career in his young life, still a very a very young man, at least by my standards, and uh, he's doing it again. I think he's going to have uh, probably an even better a success story to, to put to his resume before he's finished with uh, RN Resources, so I'm really glad to have him back with us again today. Thanks for joining me, Ivan. Thank you for having me, Jay. Pleasure to be back. It's really good to have you back. Before we get started, I guess I should just tell those that may not be familiar with Aaron, uh, your stock trades in Toronto under the symbol AUG, same same symbol down here in the States. Uh, You can buy it down here under AUG as I have. 95.3 million shares. Ivan, I believe that's correct. And around 85 cents earlier today, 86 cents perhaps yeah. in uh, in New York and you know gives it a market cap <laughs> around 80, 80 80 couple million or something bit, like that bit, bit more shares out Jay because we just financed ourselves literally on the afternoon before this whole crisis started so we have yeah. 105 million shares out right now and about 15 million in the treasury with about an 85 million dollar US market cap so it's uh, a very position to be in financially yeah, fifteen. Uh, that's good. It's, it's good to know that you have that cash because I think right now, especially given what the juniors have gone, the junior mining companies have gone through in the last couple of weeks or so, and preservation of capital is going to be a very important issue. Um, well, I want to just ask you first of all, Ivan, you and your family are well. Yeah, they are. Thank you, and and I hope the same for you, seniors. Um, you know, my my directors, my family, my employees are well. Uh, one of our directors and his wife, who are, are a little bit older than 60, both have fallen ill with the flu, but they're on the recovery now, and they're both doing quite well. They've broken their fevers. Um, and just respecting whether it's the flu or corona, they're, they're not as sure about it. But, you know, and I think on that note, I, I hope you're well. And, you know, special special consolidation for anyone dealing condolences, sorry, dealing with um, coronavirus, the, the few that have, have gotten it in a real severe form. Um, it's, it's never easy going through these kind of things, whether they're related to corona, the flu, or cancer, or anything else. And I know more people have to deal with it than before, but uh, hopefully we're on to a path of finding a lot better treatments and, and getting through it quicker than, than later. 
Yeah, we 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 sure uh, certainly hope and pray that that's the case. I know that uh, this is nothing to uh, this coronavirus is nothing to take lightly. I've heard uh, it can be very very devastating when people uh, get a bad uh, uh, you know a bad dose of it, uh, and so obviously that's that's the case. So we want to respect each other and try to treat each other well by respecting. I think the rules, the laws that are being put in place are for our own best interest, uh, and so I try to to do what I can uh, to encourage others as well. We had, yeah, we had Chen Lin on our show, uh, actually uh, with a special, I know you know Chen, Chen follows your story very well, uh, gave out some really good advice. He keeps in touch with the people in China uh, that he knows, and so uh, he brings that perspective. Anyway, let's get on to your story. What are you doing in light of this coronavirus down? And uh, I guess I guess basically you're, you're pretty much shut down now, at least in terms of your, uh, what you're doing on the properties, right? Yeah, you know, um, as we you're well aware, we have six projects, and when you're running a portfolio with so many moving parts, you you have a real shortage of time to get through a lot of very important factors that can get you better organized, more efficient. So, although we're not taking samples today, and they're a temporary lockdown down in South America, we are working vigilantly uh, towards getting better organized. We are working towards a PEA on our Canadian homestake asset, which is a really high-grade gold deposit in the Golden Triangle. Um, we look forward to releasing that in the coming couple weeks here. And then once this lockdown lifts, and we don't know how long it's going to be, but not only are we excited to get on planes and get back to work, but a lot of our counterparts that we deal with in Peru are of the same opinion. The communities we work in, the government agencies we're permitting through. So I'd like to think I'm busier now. And, you know, if you think more uh, metaphorically, you know, my desk was covered in, in stuff to do. It's now been cleaned off and there's a level of efficiency. A lot of corporate activity. We saw some with, I am uh, sorry, uh, Semaphore getting bought for a billion dollars mm-hmm. the other day. I think we're seeing the turn of a major commodity market. And, you know, this is giving us a chance to catch our breath before we potentially go find some of the world's biggest discoveries that we set out to do about four and a half years ago. And the last point I'll make there is, um, I mean, money is expensive and it's hard to come by in this space. And having funded, you know, very fortuitously right on the eve of this virus and market meltdown that we saw, you know, got us in a position where we can actually save money and spend more time becoming more efficient and working on more opportunities for our shareholders. So it's been really useful in the silver lining sense of things. And I think you can expect a very active second half of the year for us. Um, I'm reaching to that kind of metric because we have a lot of things that have been in motion for some time and the catalysts are going to be plentiful. And no, now we get to work on those versus being on planes all the time, which is great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sometimes that is true. Uh, the silver lining, you catch your breath, and uh, certainly for a lot of mining companies, after if they do too much drilling and not enough contemplation or thinking about what they're doing, they can sometimes uh, make uh, you know waste money. Actually, so sometimes it's good to clear your desk and and take inventory of everything that you have going on, and uh, and so I guess that uh, while we'd rather see the drills turning down there uh, in in Peru, and so I, I want to ask you. Once you're able to get back into Peru, uh, onto your properties down in Peru, how much time do you think it will take before you can start to do some drilling? Because we've been waiting a long time uh, for the drills to turn on your very exciting projects down there. Yeah, so, so that's a great question. And 
by far the most popular question that's been coming through emails and phone calls. Um, I will say this, um, you know, how do you feel and how does everyone feel in North America right now or Europe that is not able to work and is stuck at home kind of waiting to get back to work? I think that sentiment is most certainly what we're hearing out of South America as well. And what we're speculating on is potentially a lot smoother process a lot more efficient to get towards not only getting more access in additional communities that want the jobs, but to get back to work with the ones and, and get a drill permit in, in a more reasonable time period. Um, I will say as a caveat, I'm glad we don't have the drill permit today and we're not drilling today, only by virtue of I think any kind of major success would be muted by other concerns mm-hmm. and crisis events that are going mm-hmm. on. And I think capital would be flying out the door when you should be preserving capital. And in fact, you know, I'm going to reminisce a little bit to Keegan. We were sitting at 5.75 per share Canadian, and the 08 crisis took place. And you know, our stock price went down to 49 cents, and that was you know it was higher than we are today, went lower than we are today, and that was in the middle of signing the sideline as gold mine. Um, we stopped all of our drills while we had eight million dollars left in the treasury. We resumed once the, the sharp V kind of took place, and we saw the upswing, and all of a sudden. 11, 12 months later, we're trading at $9.17 per share. Mm-hmm. Now, the difference between Orrin and Keegan is the prize is much, 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 much bigger than Keegan's 5 million ounce mine, what we're looking for. That's the first point. Secondly, we have $15 million. We just completed that funding within a month as we talk today. So we spent very little of that so far. So much stronger treasury and a much bigger prize at the end of the, of the bit there. And, you know, so for me, I've been through this before. I've probably been annoyingly calm, and I'm more referring to the financial end of things. I mean, people say this is more of a, uh, a natural disaster than a financial crisis, but I remember negative interest rates in Europe and flat interest rates overseas in Asia. I remember there being you know, a, a 10-year bull market into the Dow, and you know, I think that we all knew for the last 12 months there was going to be a major correction whether this virus came mm-hmm. or not. And the right. only thing I will say, Jay, is we we had no chance as a resource industry to compete with the Dow that went up every year for 10 years in a row until right. And so, mm-hmm. so now you see record infinite QE. I mean, can you dream of a better event for gold bugs? There's one other thing that came true as well. We saw a big disruption in supply. We saw the $100 gold swing today with the closing of the refineries in Switzerland. I'm not sure if there's mm-hmm. gold and how that's panned out, but I mean, you can't dream of a better outcome. And then you turn towards the, the QE and the stimulus packages. And, you know, if you look on the backside of 08 and what happened there and crisis or financial crisis or, you know, virus driven, I mean, there's going to be a lot of major infrastructure projects, we believe that will start to get put online because there'll be capital to do that. And I think that will require a lot of the metals. Um, I think we finally saw something happen in the Dow that needed to happen so that people could look elsewhere to be a bit more defensive. If you did put in 5% of your portfolio into gold during this crisis, or if you had a big natural resource portfolio, I know our stocks have done poorly, but if you compare them to how the stocks have come down, they've held better in this case, and a lot of them are up. I mean, Barrick is at a 52-week high, you know, within $2 Canadian of a 52-week high, as I'm talking to you today. Imagine if that was a big part of your portfolio during the Dow crash from 29000 to 18000 I mean, 
or, or 30,000, 18,000. These are some remarkable things for just holding and actually going up. So I think the new standard for all of us to pay attention to is gold behaved as it should. And all of mm-hmm. us consider it as a defense mechanism in our portfolio. I think many fund managers were saved because they did hedge against the Dow with, with a gold position and silver positions. And lastly, you look at silver, it went up 40% roughly in the last week. I mean, that, that's amidst the Dow meltdown and everything that's, you know, going to take some time to rebuild. So history repeating itself through crisis of correction in the Dow, I look back to 2008, and then I look also at what's going to happen next. And I think, you know, there's no question that there's a big shortage of supplies of metals coming. And I think we were missing a huge amount of growth. I think it's going to be fueled by QE, which is going to be incredible for precious metals. And I think base metals will follow once these bigger projects get off the ground. So as Mm -hmm. a natural resource speculator and an investor, I mean, we waited for this moment for a decade, not for the virus. And and that's, again, sincere condolences for people dealing with that. But I was waiting for the Dow to show people that the broken slot machine can actually be fixed. And now you can right. go over to the blackjack table instead of being at the slot machine because um, now you know that it's not invincible and people can, you know, leverage less and, and invest a little bit more defensively and capture the, the lives of what's going to come in the commodity cycle. All right. Um, let me just ask you, we have to, we're really basically out of time here, but Committee Bay, how soon will things start to get cranked up there? What, what's the time schedule well, on that? So you're going to see a series of catalysts um, look forward to the PEA coming out of Homestake. We're going to come yes. up with our targeting on the, on the new way to target up at Committee Bay. We're going to have permitting advancements, you know, very shortly after this lockdown is removed. And you're going to see a lot more news once we're allowed back in Peru. You're going to see a lot more news coming out of Peru. So I think you'll see the portfolio come to life. We've talked about Spinco, a lot of these things we've mentioned. Mm-hmm. We're going to offer you're something right. to investors that other people are not offering. We're going to give you more than one ways to win off a portfolio where we've spent $100 million in the last four and a half years trying to identify these substantial opportunities and we're financed. So a remarkable opportunity in front of us for our shareholders. All right, Ivan, we'll have to leave it go at that. Very exciting. Uh, Let's just get this uh, coronavirus taken care of and then we can start to uh, see the drills turn again. That's what I'm looking forward to. Uh, for RN Resources. Thank you so much for spending your time with us today, and uh, we'll do it again sometime soon, Ivan. Take care. Thank you so much. All right. Be very safe and be healthy. Thank you so much. All right. Same with you. Okay. Well, folks, we do have to go to break, but don't go away because Alistair McLeod is going to be with me to shed some light on today's major moves in gold, I'm sure, uh, and some of the other underlying dynamics that are going on that are affecting all of us uh, in one way or another. So don't go away. We'll be right back with Alistair McLeod. Great Bear Resources, trading under GBR on the TSX and GTBDF on the OTCQX, is a gold exploration company focused on their 23-kilometer, wholly-owned Dixie project in the prolific Red Lake Mining District of Ontario. Having recently made multiple high-grade gold discoveries, GBR is fully funded to complete a very active 200,000-meter drill program through to the year 2021. Stay up to date on what has been considered one of the best performing exploration stocks in the last two years by visiting greatbearresources.ca. Voice America Business Network. 
the bottom line in business. listening to turning hard times into good times with your host jay taylor if you have a question or comment about today's show jay would love to hear from you at 1-866-472-5790 that's 1-866-472-5790 you can also send an email to questions taylor at gmail.com that's questions the number four taylor at gmail.com now back to our program Welcome back to Turning Hard Times to Good Times. I'm your host, Jay Taylor. Really pleased to have Alistair McLeod with me once again. And he is, uh, of course, a frequent guest on this show. But uh, it's still worth noting that uh, he, he has, is quite a very very uh, experienced financial analyst. He is a senior fellow at uh, Gold Money Foundation. And he writes a weekly uh, essay that is uh, a must-read for me. I always look forward to it. It usually comes, I think, on uh, on Wednesday, if I'm not mistaken, or Thursday anyway, about the middle of the week. And uh, it's always very, very important because he's hitting on the topics that I think are, are most important in terms of explaining market movements that are going on. And boy, did we have one today, and we've had several today. Equity markets, everything on fire with all this money that's being created. So uh, Alistair, I'm so glad you could join us today on a day when gold was up, I think, 130 bucks or so in the European trading today. So thank you for joining us. That's my pleasure, Jay. Yeah, it's uh, always good to have you with us. And I, I would say um, I should ask you first off before we get into, you know, what's really important, of course, is how are you feeling, you and, and the missus? <laughs> we don't have the coronavirus, I'm glad to say. We're in isolation and it's taking a little bit of getting used to. Yeah. But we're so much uh, luckier than, um, you know, our confrere sitting in the cities. I mean, if, you, if oh. you're in an apartment block, um, you know, on the whatever floor, it must be pretty soul-destroying. Um, oh, I would think so, yeah. Yeah, but we're deep in the country here, and we've got a garden of about half an acre. Uh, we've got lovely walks around here, um, and uh, we don't need to go to the shops. Things can get delivered, and... Mm-hmm. Uh, my wife, God bless her, is an extremely good um, housekeeper. So when okay. it comes to, you know, having to rush out and buy things, she makes do and mends. And, you know, so we don't actually have to go out that much. Well, that's pretty good. Then you have somebody to clean up after you, Alistair. I have that too, unfortunately, <laughs> as well. <laughs> well, I wouldn't put it like that. I'd get into trouble, I think, if I mentioned that one. <laughs> all right. Well, anyway, uh, all right. So I, I really want to explore the ideas. As, as usual, I like to explore ideas from recent essays that you've written. Your March 19th one, Missive, uh, that one titled uh, Payments, Panic, and Ending of Fiat Currencies. But first, I want to pick your brain regarding the exceptional volatility of the gold markets today by picking up on some of what you wrote in that March 19th missive. Uh, you you know you often refer to bullion banks. Now, one popular internet writer recently stated that there's no such things as bullion banks. I, who are these bullion banks that you speak of, Alistair? And how do you know that they exist, even? Well, 
<laughs> it's not a figment of my imagination, or if it is, it's also a figment of the imagination of the London Bullion Market Association, uh -huh. because they've got something like, I, I don't know, I haven't seen recently, but it's something like 20-odd banks are, are fully-fledged members. And, I mean, it could be that they're members of the London Bullion Market Association because it's fun to have that as one of your memberships and they don't actually use it, uh -huh. but I don't think that's quite the case. <laughs> okay. Do I mean are these are these uh, household names? These these banks? Are these are people that we might recognize? A lot of them are. I mean, a lot of them are, if you like, are uh, internal divisions of existing banks. People like J.P. Morgan, for example, mm -hmm. uh, they have a bullion banking uh, operation, Citibank or Citicorp or whatever they call themselves now. Uh, and uh, you've got a, a pretty wide range. You've got um, uh, banks, uh, European banks. You've got British banks, uh, American banks, Japanese banks, Chinese banks, and so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. And of course, there is also another market, uh, which is the Elm, uh, the um, I'm trying to think. No, it's, it's the LME Precious. I'm oh, okay. Mm -hmm. Just getting 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 the not, uh, the name correct, uh, and that of course is now owned by the Hong Kong Stock Exchange, mm -hmm. uh, and uh, one can see the Chinese influence spreading on this one. Quite, um, you know, they're rather like tentacles. The Chinese now effectively control the physical markets. Um, when it comes to futures and forwards, of course, forwards are the London Bullion Market Association in London, and uh, futures are very much COMEX um, in in New York. But you've also got uh, a number of other futures markets around the world. So, um, you know, there's, there's an awful lot of trading activity that goes on, and uh, it's basically run by the banks. So the idea that there isn't such a thing as a bullion bank, I find odd. Yeah, I yeah, I'm not sure exactly why this gentleman thinks that's the case, but in any event, uh, I, I ask you that question because in your March 19th piece, you compare the current efforts by the Fed to do the, the same thing, essentially, that John Law sought to do when he inflated the Mississippi bubble. You've talked about that uh, a couple of times recently on this show. He did that by creating money out of thin air, essentially. You state in your March 19th piece, and I quote, Today the situation is only different in that the Fed is trying to save the status quo rather than create a new bubble. Then you, uh, you brought in the bullion banks into the discussion and you said, After the mid-80s, the mid-1980s, gold was used as a low interest rate form of collateral for the purchase of, higher, high, of other higher yielding assets. In recent years, that function has ceased and it has become a playing a, a plaything of bullion banks skilled at using futures and forwards to soak up speculative demand in a highly profitable fleecing of speculative interests, end of quote. Could you uh, perhaps explain how these bullion banks have been, how, the, how, the, how does this work? How have they been fleecing market speculators over the well, past uh, many years. Yeah, well, since since interest rates uh, converged so that actually, um, uh, you know, so things like uh, um, treasury bills yield less than gold. I mean, uh -huh. some, some yeah. of your listeners may not understand that gold actually does have a yield. It's just yes. the sort of physical gold in your hand. Obviously, like uh, a $100 note doesn't have a yield. Mm -hmm. But uh, if you have a promise, let us say, to... Um, uh, supply gold at some stage in the future, then there is a yield attached to it. Sure. And that, that, that yield could be because you've borrowed it off someone else. So, yeah, I mean, it is money and it has, has, has a yield. Um, 
what uh, bullion banks originally did was if you go back to the time when interest rates were very high, after, just after the 1970s, and right. when the banking system was liberal, liberalized uh, around about 84, 85 onwards, then what they used to do was they used to use gold, uh, which cost roughly 2% to borrow, uh, as the collateral to um, invest in U.S. Treasuries, which at the time sure. were yielding 6 or 7 or 8%. Of course, okay. that game disappeared um, uh, in time, and uh, you now had the situation, really, where uh, banks would use their dominance, if you like, and the, the fact that they've got uh, you know nice, huge, great balance sheets, which they can expand at will, to um, basically short the market, um, uh, giving uh, speculators uh, the opportunity ho-ho to make money <laughs> so mm -hmm. speculators would buy gold because they thought it was going up it mm -hmm. might go up a little bit and then what would happen is that the banks would just pull the rug out from under by uh, lowering the price triggering the stops forcing the hapless speculators into losses um, and closing their positions and it was a very very profitable game and this has been going on uh, really until about the middle of last year when it began to be obvious that there were cracks in this uh, wonderful game and some of the bullion banks which are a bit slow off the mark were still playing this and you could see that the open interest rose to extraordinarily level extraordinary levels really as really quite serious money on the speculative side the buy mm -hmm. side as it were mm -hmm. started taking the bullion banks on and this got up to around about 800,000 contracts just under 800,000 contracts all-time record previous all-time record 640,000 contracts so you can see this is a major major development so what happens if um, we'd gone on from there then uh, the bullion banks would have just been broken i mean the bank would have been broken the man who mm -hmm. broke the bank at monte carlo there would be you know, it's it would be just like that a real bullion bank crisis so that had to be stopped and a little while ago we got word through our contacts um, uh, in the bullion banking scene that there was more leasing going on central banks were leasing their gold in other words what mm -hmm. they were doing was they were supplying liquidity into uh, the paper market in the form of physical and uh, then from there it that if you like uh, morphed into a coordinated um, uh, hit on uh, the gold price in, through the futures, taking out all those stops. And the idea basically was that, you know, from bullion bank's point of view, now we're in a situation where quite clearly inflation is taking off. Inflation is taking off in the monetary sense. What does that mean for gold? It means the gold price goes up. And if you're short, you're going to get squeezed. It's going to hurt terribly. They needed to get the price down and at the same time give the opportunity for the bullion banks to get a level book or get long positions. They never actually achieved it. Now, mm -hmm. when that process came to an end, which was what, two or three days ago, uh, what, what we then found was that the bullion banks who didn't manage to close all their shorts are now mm -hmm. being squeezed. Mm -hmm. And uh, let me put another dimension on this. When it comes to what is the right gold price, Obviously, if you're going to smash the gold price like that in order to create um, an artificial level, then that is not the right price. What we saw in the physical gold market was premiums developing on the price, which was in effect uh, uh, notionally set in the futures market. But that was an incorrect price. The right price actually is the physical price. Mm 
So what you had was you had this extraordinary discount backwardation, if you like, mm -hmm. in the futures. And it was a dead cert that sooner or later that would turn around and the price would rarely roar. And this is what we've seen over the last two days. Mm -hmm. Basically, the futures price has come up and begun to catch up with the real bullion price in the markets. Mm -hmm. And, of course, the other thing is that things have been made more difficult for um, uh, the bullion banks who've gone short, uh, and that is that the coronavirus has closed down three of the Swiss refiners uh, mm -hmm. in the Ticino district, uh, Ticino Canton, which is uh, uh, abuts the uh, Italian border, and most of their workers actually come over the border from, it from Italy. So, that wow. has taken out, uh, I suppose, roughly 50% of global refining capacity. Mm -hmm. This means there is no gold around, if you like. Um, uh, there is gold in firm hands. So the price is going to have to rise. I mean, that, mm -hmm. that, that production in Switzerland and in Ticino is not going to come back for uh, five, six months at least. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. you can see that there's a suddenly there's this huge shortage of physical. Guess mm -hmm. who's in the market? Central banks, particularly in Asia. I wonder whether Vladimir Putin is going to manage to pick up another 12 tons this month. Mm. <laughs> it's going to be an interesting one. I'm going to be interesting to see if he tries it. Um, so uh, I think we're on the verge of something that could turn into quite a serious panic in the market. You could mm -hmm. easily see, and this is not a forecast, by the way, yeah. but I would not be surprised to see gold challenging all-time highs at around about $1,900 uh, over the next, I don't know, sort of month or so. Mm -hmm. Well, let me ask you, Alistair, I'm looking at the screen today, uh, the Kitco screen, which is a cash market, and I'm looking at this incredible rise to um, 135 bucks higher to, you know, it was getting pretty close to $1,700 there uh, for a moment. Uh and then meandered around a little bit lower, and then boom, it got hit really, really hard. Um, as I guess, pretty much as the New York markets were opening, the London market was still open, and then it bounced right back, and it went back to, you know, almost where it was before, right back up. I mean, it was like a beach ball submerged underneath the water, you know, and when you let it go, it just pops right up to the surface. It happened again, and then boom, it got taken down again. Uh, you just got smashed down in a matter of a few minutes. Uh, meandered around a little lower, and now here we are uh, pushing 80 bucks on the upside again. W what's going on here? Are there efforts to still efforts on the part of these guys that are in, on the wrong side of the market to to manipulate the market to push it down? And and maybe you could let our listeners know how do they do that? Is it just a matter of sheer futures market paper, uh, just shorting the market with the paper in the paper market? Is that what's going on here? Yeah, I mean, that is that is no longer happening. Um, what has basically happened uh, in that big decline we saw, that very, very sharp decline, which I think started around about the 10th of March, something mm -hmm. like that, mm -hmm. and ran through really until, I, I suppose, around about the 19th, so only a few days mm -hmm. ago. Um, the, the way it works is quite simple. You notice there's a pause in the market. So mm -hmm. what do you do? You mark down prices a bit. You know where the, you know where the uh, stops are going to be triggered, um, because that is information you get really through dealing in the market. If you're if you're a market maker, mm -hmm. so what you do, the the objective is to find the right moment to hit the price so that stops get triggered, and mm -hmm. then what happens is the triggering of those stops 
creates the fall in the market without you having to sell very much in the way of uh, uh, contracts I in see. order to drive it down. Do you see what I mean? So, yes. um, you, know, you know where the stops are. You know the moment when you can probably do it. And mm -hmm. if you have got a situation which we had when it ran right up uh, um, at, at, at the end of last month, right up to the top there, um, you have a situation where uh, uh, not only bullion banks, but you find that the authorities, the Bank of International Settlements, the Bank of England, the Fed, and so on and so forth, can see that there is a real problem in the market. If the price goes any higher, then bullion banks are going to get start getting wiped out. You cannot afford that to happen. So what you do is you come in and you coordinate. The Bank of Inter International Settlements dealers, for example, will uh, hit 10,000 contracts onto the market. Um, they will do that sort of thing. Now, there hasn't been an awful lot of evidence of that, but certainly over uh, the last month or so, there has been evidence of increased leasing by the central banks. And this provides the liquidity and the backdrop, if you like, for uh, uh, the bullion banks really to start working the price down. And then the speculators, who after all are only in there for a profit, I mean, they're not they're not, uh, um, uh, you know, sort of gold bugs like <laughs> we might be accused of being. Yeah. You know, this is something which, uh, you know, buy it, buy it one moment, sell it the next if you've got a profit. Sure. I mean, they are yeah. literally that flaky. So mm -hmm. this is a very, very easy market to, to manipulate. But the character of it has changed because some of the money now coming into it is actually very serious. It mm -hmm. is it is money that is saying that the amount of money in circulation, fiat currency in circulation, is going to take off. And there is absolutely no way gold can stay as low as this. This is the only hedge we should really have against fiat currencies purchasing power falling. And so, you know, you need to be very big, very serious, understand the argument, and then you go in. And that is what we are now seeing. Mm -hmm. You're seeing serious money. Money in strong hands that are going into gold now is what you're saying, rather than exactly. The, that's, rather that's, than the, yeah. an, that's another very good way of putting it. Money right. in weak hands has been shaken out, and it has mm -hmm. now been redistributed into strong hands. Yeah. All right. So let's talk a little bit about payments panic and the ending of fiat currency, Alistair. You know, uh, in 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 the um, uh, in September 2019 seemed to be a very important point in time when we started seeing the repo market um, have some real issues. Um, and, and they haven't gone away, as far as I know. We're still having the same issue, right? And, and the repo market shot up to 10%, which, as you suggested recently, is more akin to what our real inflation rate is. Um, can you tie that into what's going on in the gold market? And another thing that you recently said and talked about was why it's so important for the world's reserve currency not to have negative rates. And here we go. I mean, they're pushing our rates down now to zero bound, essentially, aren't they? That is nominal rates down to zero bound, negative, strongly negative rates. So this goes against that natural time preference or interest rate for gold that you talked about. Better to own gold that gets you 2% a year or something like that than to, than to own a treasury that takes money away from you. Well, that's absolutely right. And I don't know if anybody noticed, but the yield on the uh, three-month treasury actually became negative briefly in the last two days. Uh -huh. So. 
this, this is uh, uh, we're exactly where you say they are. Now, there's no time preference value in that whatsoever. Yeah, um, you have to have time preference, and for your uh, for your listeners, basically, what we're talking about is a situation where the possession of something in your hand is worth more than non-possession, but the promise of a possession at some stage in the future. It's bird in the hand is worth two in the bush, if you like, is the, right. old, mm -hmm. the old saying. And um, you, you, can't, you can't get round that. Negative interest rates are a denial of that very simple fact of human uh, preference. It is time preference expressed, if you like, in a human form. So, uh, you know, it, it is completely unnatural. Now, if you do that, if you reduce interest rates to zero or even make them negative, then what you're doing is you're putting commodities priced in your currency into a backwardation because mm -hmm. the time preference value on gold is something like a positive one and a half to two percent. Mm -hmm maybe something more, but, you know, that's determined in the market. We can't say what it is, but that roughly is the sort of value we're looking at. So if interest rates are less than that, then in effect, gold is being put into a backwardation. Mm -hmm. And if you uh, push the dollar, dollar rates as a whole into negative rates, then the whole commodity complex is in that position. So mm -hmm. this is a, you know, a, a, if you put the whole commodity complex into backwardation, then basically what you do is you'd completely destroy the purchasing power of your currency measured in those commodities. All right. So that uh, is dangerous, obviously, for the world's reserve currency. But that seems to be where we're headed. With only uh, less than two minutes left, Alistair, I have to ask you, what about availability for people that might want to buy gold through gold money? Does gold money, can gold money get its hands on gold for your allocated account or holding that you have there yes uh basically well we have access into the market uh there's very limited supply in the market now um but we do have stocks and mm -hmm. uh you know i mean the, also the other thing that's happened is that the spreads in the market have widened i noticed considerably yes yeah, so so uh, obviously our pricing will reflect that so mm -hmm. it's um you know it uh, we have some availability, but I don't want to commit uh, uh, gold money to you know sort of unlimited availability of in course. these very very difficult times. Of I mean, it's it, it's such an interesting situation, Jay. I mean, you know, for a long time we felt that you know you had to get your physical gold before things really went right. wrong. Right. And anyone who hasn't done it yet is really leaving it so so late. Right, exactly. Well, we'll have to leave it go at that. You know, uh, my guest next week is uh, Doug Casey, and he likened it to Niagara Falls through a garden hose. And I think that's what you're talking about. <laughs> Niagara yes. Falls through a garden hose. Well, Doug Casey will be with us next week. Uh, Chris Taylor of Great Bear as well, uh, and uh, Michael Oliver. Uh, Alistair, I want to thank you so much for being with us. And um, we'll look. I'll keep well, you and your wife, and uh, we'll look forward to having you on again sometime in the near, very near future, I hope. That's my All right, pleasure, Jay. Yeah, All right my folks. Pleasure. Well, uh, likewise. And uh, okay, so well, that's it for today, folks. Next week we'll be back, as I said, with Doug Casey and our other guests. Until then, goodbye and God's blessings to you. Thank you again for listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor. Please join us again next Tuesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel.
Dragon One Metals, one of 2019's top performing gold stocks, is geared for aggressive growth in 2020. With drilling underway and its fully permitted high-grade Tuvatu Gold Project in Fiji, one of the last high-grade gold deposits of its kind anywhere in the world not owned by a major gold mining company, Lion One trades in the USA on the OTCQX under the symbol LOMLF and in Canada under LIO on the TSXV. To learn more about Lion One's world-class high-grade gold potential in Fiji, go to liononemetals.com.